0: So we're ready for the Word of God. Who's ready for God's Word? I love God's Word. God's Word has the power to change our lives, change my life, change your life. God's Word has changed my life, continues to change my life, will change my life in the future. I just love God's Word. And that's why I just love preaching. And I love being here preaching to such a beautiful crowd, to you guys. But I have to begin with a story about my car. My car has been through a lot. Who here's got a car that's really been through a lot? I thought you weren't telling anyone about that. Yesterday, Tavita's wheel snapped off. It just snapped off. If you see a big skid mark down Mole Street, it's not a hoon. It's Tavita's wheel snapping off. I wish I had sent, gotten a photo to media. Anyway, my car, my car hasn't been through that much. But um, I have hit a kangaroo in my car, unintentionally, obviously, um, I like to do this thing, I like to be nice at night time and if my car is going to be pointing in the direction of a house windows, um, like when I'm turning into a driveway or reversing out, uh, I, I don't like to have the headlights on because, you know, that's, I just feel like that's courtesy. And one time I was reversing out of Lawrence's house and I didn't have my headlights on and I just ran into a power pole. So I feel like that's important. Maybe I'll change that. I've also dropped a table on my um, on my car, so I don't know how many people go around lifting up tables, but I somehow managed to drop a table on my car. The metal leg side down, so it has scratches. Uh, but you know, I didn't just get rid of my car. I've kept it. It is still nice. I keep it serviced. Uh, Last year, the power steering stopped working, and it was really weird. It's It stopped working. This was over the course of two years. It stopped working in summer. Even in winter, there was a hot day. It still worked, but for some reason, it was just summer. It stopped working. So I fixed that um, because my dad's a mechanic, and he really drummed into me that, you know, you've really got to make sure that you keep your car serviced. So I, I need your help with something. Um, Someone just shout out, like, the, the best car ever. Wow. Wow. Mazda 3. Okay, someone shout out the worst car ever. Okay, there was just a whole bunch of noise. Jack Copland, what's the worst car ever? A Commodore. That's some heat right there. Well then, based off of that, this is what what my pop would say. He would say a well-serviced Commodore will outlast and perform a neglected Mazda 3. So he he taught me that no matter what car you get, hey, if you just keep it serviced, it'll be good. And so that's why I make sure that I continue to service my car, Hannah's car, because I don't want to go out and have to buy another one. You know what I mean? Like no one wants, every time someone has to buy a new car, unless their car is really old, it's like a little bit of a moment because you got to shell out money. You know, I'd rather just not spend money and have a good car, if you ask me. Um, it would be unwise if every time my car had an issue... I just got rid of it and got a new car. It would be unwise of you if every time that your phone ran out of storage, you just threw it out and got a new one. You know, just delete a few photos, just back them up, get some iCloud storage, get Google photos, whatever. It'd be unwise if every time your battery ran out, you just got a new phone. It'd be unwise if every time you got out of bed in the morning, you thought, well, those sheets are dirty, better get some new ones. It'd be unwise if you did that to your, your cutlery, your bowls, your plates. It'd just be unwise to, just because it's had a bit of weathering, you know, you can, you can make that thing last a lot longer. And I think we all understand this. We, we know this to be true in so many areas of life, especially if we want something to hang around. And I think that it's such a true concept, but then somehow with people, we get it mixed the other way around. We burn a friendship. And instead of trying to restore it, we just let it go. We have a blow up with a boss and we just choose to leave the job. We blow up with our parents and we decide that we're just going to move out. You know, these are these are things that could be in our life long term, but we just choose to discard it. We, we don't get along with someone else in our life group. So we just leave, find another life group. We we, we struggle with our friends and our friendships and and, and we move on and like, I, I know I'm saying this like it's a bad thing, but I totally get it because it's a whole, it, like conflict is hard. Amen. Conflict is hard. No one likes confrontation. Uh, I, I personally know that it's just a lot easier to just try and leave something to simmer than to like have to try and confront it and, and make things better. And I know this really personally because uh, I had a huge fallout with, with my dad and because he's family, I knew that I was going to be seeing him all the time. And it just made family gatherings awkward. And, um, I ended up getting prayer at a youth camp once and just broke down in tears and just really felt to really forgive him. And, um, lucky because he's like still part of my life. But you know, when, when I think about the way that we treat some relationships and just hear me out, like if, if someone is continually hurting you and they're unrepentant, then I'm not saying like this applies to everyone because if someone's continually hurting you and they're not repentant about it, there are some people that we just need to lose out of our life, okay? But most of the time, I, I feel like sometimes we could have dealt with that a lot better. And this person could have become a permanent fixture in our life that would have added to us, added so much value. I'm so glad that when I had a little blow up with my dad, that I didn't just cut him off and walk out of his life because my life, is better today because he's part of it. And so I'm, I'm just talking in, a, in general here. If, there's, if you're part of you know, a situation that contains abuse, etc., etc., like, please don't think that I'm just telling you to put up with it or anything like that. But in general, I feel like uh, we just don't like confrontation. We just don't like conflict. It's hard. And then so we just discard a relationship rather than trying to work on it. And the problem with this is that our world ends up shrinking when escaping instead of dealing with it becomes your go-to then, you know, you're going to start to avoid that person. You're going to start to avoid that place, that job, that area, and our world becomes smaller and smaller and there's less places that we can go. And sometimes it gets to the point where so many people have offended us and we haven't made peace with that, that now suddenly this town is too small for me and I have to escape because There's just too many people around me that I haven't made peace with. And so that's the danger that we face when we treat relationships like we treat plastic cutlery. That's the danger that we face when we choose to just look aside and not deal with something whenever someone hurts us. Jesus' guidebook on relational conflict is found in Matthew's account of his life in chapter 18. And I've referenced this so many times in my life. This has just become something... That is a bit of a, a, I guess, a life message. Every time that I talk to someone about this sort of stuff, I keep coming back to Matthew 18 because it's so simple. It's so memorable. And so I want to read it tonight. Matthew 18, 15 to 17 says this. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him, work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along you so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, then tell the church. And if he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch, confront him with the need for repentance and offer again, God's forgiving love. Now this is talking about fellow believers and the church. So you just apply this to whatever situation you're in. If it's a fellow coworker, then that means going and talking to your boss, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I love the simplicity because if you've got a problem, it's three things. It's go to your brother, go with a friend or go to a leader. And so I've titled this message tonight, go to your brother. Because this is the phrase that stuck in my head when it was preached to me um, one time uh, in a staff meeting that Brad was a part of because he's been around as long as me. and And I just remember, go to your brother. And every time that I think about relational conflict, I just think of this phrase, go to your brother. And so I want to pass that on to you today. And just to point it out, brother is a generic term referring to the value that you place on someone. It's not necessarily talking about gender. Okay? So... The first thing that I see in this is out of everything that Jesus said, first thought is that the person who's offended you, they're still your brother. He's still your brother. One of the first things that people tend to do when they get hurt is to forget the person's value. The person is relegated. There was a guy at Sam's warehouse, because I used to work there, that came in asking for a refund on a pool. Now, we didn't sell this brand of pool. So I just knew immediately that, this, like this pool didn't come from here and he didn't have a receipt. He's like, no, I don't have a receipt, but I bought it from here. And I was like, look, mate, we don't even sell this brand of pool. And I looked up in a target catalog and I was like, look, mate, it's here in the target catalog. And he's like, I'm not your mate. So a guy who was coming in trying to, you know, uh, trying, to, trying to get something out of me. And then suddenly I start, I call him mate and he realizes that I'm not, you know, I'm not going to help him out. And suddenly I'm not his mate. I don't know if you've, has anyone ever had someone say that to you? No, I'm not your mate. You say, you say, Hey mate. no, I'm not your mate. And, uh, but he was suddenly offended him. And I went from mate to enemy. And when Jesus says, go to your brother, this is so that he's, this is before we even get to what you have to do. He's saying the offense is not going to change your, this other person's value. They're still your brother looking in the English standard version. Verse 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him of his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you have gained a brother. So at the start of the process, he's your brother. At the end of the process, he's your brother. So when it comes to relation, relational conflict, we have to be prepared to say, I'm willing for this person to be my brother again. Because if you relegate, if, you just, if they do something and you just think, man, you're just an idiot, then you're already hindering the process of relational restoration before you've even begun to try and help them. It might be your parent, your boss, your real estate agent, but whatever it is, the process of dealing with hurt, before you even go to the other person, you need to ask yourself, like, am I willing for them to keep the place in their life that they currently hold? Because if you aren't willing, then that looks to me as though you're taking on offense. Now, again, there is times when it's inappropriate, sorry, when it is appropriate for you to remove someone from your life, if they repeatedly and unrepentantly hurt you. But just in general, I think when it comes to relational conflict, we somehow tend to do it badly and, and, and we just relegate someone. Relegate means to put that person on a lower rank. And Jesus starts, before he tells us how to deal with the other person, he starts with a challenge to ourselves that, hey, go to, your, go to who? Your, your brother. He's offended you, but he's he's still your brother. He's still your coworker. You know, whatever it is, and we've got to come to a mental place where we'll, we're willing to see a full relational restoration with that person. Choosing not to remove value from them will actually free you up to be able to deal with the offense in a healthy way. So my question to you is: When someone hurts you, can you isolate the offense from the person? It's like I I don't know if you've ever maybe you've heard it on the on the football field there'll be a dad who'll be like, man, that idiot dropped the ball and lost the game for our team. And then another dad will be like, hey, that's my son you're talking to. I don't know if you've ever heard that in movies. Like, that's my wife you're talking about, mate. Like, and and what they're saying is they're saying, hey, before we continue to talk about this, you need to recognize them as a person. And that's what Jesus is saying to us. like, Because we so easily, someone does something to us and we so easily just go, mate, you're an idiot. When I got into a car accident on Christmas Eve, the guy got out of the car and the first words that he said to me was, well, Merry Christmas, you D-head. And I was just like, okay. So I just went from, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a nice guy, but I was immediately downgraded to D-head. Um, and that can be such a tendency that we have. We, we, we forget the person's name. We forget who they are in our life. And we just relegate them to something a whole lot lower. And so I want to ask you the question, if you're hurt, how are you going to talk about it? Because the fact is, Jesus says that we're going we're gonna to come across trials and hurts in life. So it's not a matter of just, of, of just asking if, but it's a matter of when. And so you need to ask this, yourself the question, when I get hurt, how am I going to talk about the other person? Because your boss, he's still your boss. And he deserves respect, even if at a minimum, it's on a contractual basis. He deserves respect. Your dad or your mum. They deserve respect. Their hurting you does not turn them into a piece of trash for you to try out new swear words on. Just because they have hurt you does not relegate the fact that they are your mum and they are your dad. Now, again, I am talking in generalisms here. If there is someone who's unrepentantly hurting you, that could be a different story. But you need to be willing. Jesus is saying you need to be willing to go in and go, you know what, I'm ready. I'm I'm going to keep holding you at this value. That person that you thought was your friend, they're a person with a name. Don't relegate them to enemies so quickly. The prime minister or other politicians, they're real people who make mistakes just like you. So before we go calling people idiots, we've got to realize that we've got to hold their value. If we want to ha- come to any point of relational health or relational restoration, we can't afford to call them an idiot or call them this or call them that. And even if you call them that under your breath, then man, you need to check yourself because this is before Jesus gets to what you need to do. He's saying, it's your brother. So Jesus' challenge to us is to maintain our level of value. So before you begin to deal with the conflict, make sure they're still your brother. Make sure they're still your boss, your mom, your dad, your coworker, whatever they are. They're still your brother. Number two is uh, destination brother. The place to go is your brother. And the place to go is a private place. Matthew 18:15. again, it says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and Facebook, sorry, between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now, this is the next mistake that people make all the time. One, they begin to downgrade people, but two, they go and tell the wrong person. It says to go and tell your brother, and it says to go and tell them alone. And then if that doesn't work, only if that doesn't work, then Jesus' next two steps in verse 16 and 17 talk about what to do next. But too often we skip ahead. But Jesus says, go to your brother. You know, here's a few places that Jesus doesn't say to go. He doesn't say to go to your friends. He doesn't say to go to the other person's friends. He doesn't say to dob, on, dob to your parents. He doesn't say to put it on Facebook. He doesn't say to call out your brother in public. And These are all unhealthy ways to deal with it. But like, I I get it because sometimes the last person that you want to talk to is the person who hurt you and, and we're hurting. And when you're hurting, you don't want to go through it alone. So I understand there's a need for us to be known. That's why we feel like we need to tell someone because we want to be known on the inside. And that's actually okay because every human has a need to be known and understood. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be known and understood. I'm just saying that sometimes the biggest mistake that we make is that we want to be known by the wrong audience. The person who actually needs to know is the one who wronged you because quite often they're the only person who can really bring true healing to whatever offense that you faced. Matthew 6, verse 16, Jesus is talking about fasting, which is basically a practice of holding off on um, desires that you have and putting them aside so that you can focus on God. And he says, when you fast... Don't make it obvious like hypocrites do because they're trying to look miserable and disheveled so that people will admire them for their fasting. But I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they'll ever get. And so if I was to translate this, translate it to what we're talking about now, I would say, man, you can go and complain all you want about what's happened. But literally being heard by other people, that's the only reward you're ever going to get. If you don't go to your brother, you're never going to find that proper relational healing that you need to have because we go to the wrong place. We want others to know that we're going through it. But at this point, sometimes that's as far as we go. We just tell other people. And the hurt is not fully healed. But the only true way to have it healed is to actually go to your brother. And it's confronting. And it's hard. And you have to face up with the fact that you are vulnerable. And that what they did hurt you. And fellas... It means that you have to look like less of a man because something actually did hurt you. But that's the only way that you're ever going to find healing. People, every time people come to me, and being a youth pastor for the last seven years, I definitely had a fair share of people coming to me to tell them stuff that was happening in in their life. And um, any youth leaders who have been to me multiple times would know that I love the phrase, go to your brother. But people would always come to me and, and one of the first questions I would ask is like, have you gone to your brother yet? One of the phrases Pastor Chris loves to use, if someone is coming to him and, and they're not sure about something to do with God, he, w- he will ask them the question, well, what does God have to say about it? In other words, you're coming to me, but you probably should first go and seek God and God's word. And sometimes people come and they're asking me about what they should do about a situation. Um, and, and I'm like, well, have you even talked to the person yet? Like, because maybe they were just having a bad day. Like you you never know what is going on in the other person's world. But I think our first port of call, just like what Chris would say, going to God when you have questions about God, is when you have someone wrong you, go to that person and talk it out. And as long as you go in with the thought of, I'm not trying to like beat you or win this argument. But Jesus says in that verse, he says, you will have won your brother. It's about winning a relationship. I'm not in here to fight a battle. I'm not here to prove that I'm right. I'm not here to prove that you hurt me. I'm not here to prove that you're a bad person on the inside. I'm just here to win the relationship because I don't want to do life living in a shrunken way where I'm having to avoid you or like distance myself from you or distance myself from this place. And I think as soon as we realize that, Hopefully that gives us the motivation to go, you know what, uh, I know this is going to be confronting and it's going to be hard and I'm going to, maybe I'm going to look like a bit of an idiot because that probably shouldn't have hurt me in the first place, but I just need to get on level ground with this person. I just want to win that friendship. Going through high school, so many people had friendships burn over little things that didn't need to burn the friendship, but they let it burn it because they, they didn't go to their brother. They went and told everyone else in the high school. They they went and complained about it to their parents. They went and complained about it to this person, that person, the other person, but never talked about it to the person. And um, going through, uh, again, being a youth pastor, I saw so many relationships that broke up and people um, just like friendships, I mean, just absolutely be ruined. But then like six months later, everything's good. And I'm like, oh, what happened with that person? And they're like, oh, well, we actually just talked it out and we realized um, it wasn't that big of a deal anyway. And I'm like, man, wouldn't you have preferred to just deal with that? Like maybe have, a, maybe have a couple of days where it's like a bit tense. But instead, you just spend six months of your life in a tense spot with that person where, where, you know, if they're walking to the locker, you're going the other way or, you know, whatever. You're just avoiding that person. And in the end, they're like, man, actually, this person's a really great friend. And we can win our relationships back when we choose to see them as a brother and choose to go to our brother first. And I say the example of people coming to me and the reason that I told them that they should go to their brother is because I really feel like that should be our advice when people come to us. If people are coming to us and they're spitting their whatever's going on in their world out to us, if we just sit and listen, but never encourage them to go back to their brother, then we may be doing a disservice. I actually understand that the best way for me to help the person is to encourage them to go back to their brother. And I think we need to ask the question of ourselves, because I've heard people say things like, oh, yeah, people just seem to come to me and, and tell me what's going on in their life. They tell me their problems. And um, and, and when someone brings hurt, their hurts to you and you listen to them, but don't encourage them to go back to their brother, maybe you don't have a tender heart. Maybe you just have an indulgent ear. And we need to question ourselves as to what side of the fence we're on when it comes to that, because if we really care about the person, we will... We will help them to find relational restoration with their brother, with their mum, with their dad. So many conversations I've heard, just like something goes wrong and, uh, and, oh, you should just break up with him. Oh, you should just break up with her. And it's like they haven't even thought through it. The friend is just throwing out all this random advice, but they don't even know the situation. So can we charge ourselves to go to our brother and not just for us to go to our brother, but If people are telling you about what's going on in their world, you need to make sure that they feel heard. You need to make sure that they're understood. I get that. And I'm not saying that you should just go, oh, don't talk to me until you've gone to your brother. Like we need to be there for our friends. We need to be supportive and that sort of stuff. But if going to your brother never comes up in the conversation, then you've done that person a disservice to their relationships. And so I want to challenge you with that. So a few questions to help us apply and then we'll finish up. Question number one, are you trying to beat your brother or win your brother? Too often, like I said before, we go in, we, we, we get hurt and then we go take a long shower so that we can come up with all the best arguments ever. And all the shampoo bottles applaud us for our arguments. And it's amazing. <laughs> Has that never happened to you? And, uh, and we start to get this whole attitude of I'm going in and I'm going to win this conversation but our focus should be on winning our brother. Are you willing to see the relationship restored? This is one of the, this is one of the harder questions because, because sometimes it's with people that are really close to us and the people that are the closest to us can hurt us the most. Are you willing to see the relationship with your parents restored? Can you look past Whatever you think's happened, can, can you look past that and just say, I'm, I'm ready for you to be my mum. I'm ready for you to be my dad. Again, are you willing to see the relationship restored? If you're not even willing, if you can't even admit that you're willing for them to, to be that, then you're going to struggle in that area. Can you separate offense from the value of the person? That's like a follow on question. Because, The truth is that people do stupid things. They make mistakes, but the things that people do should never determine their worth. It should never determine their value. The pattern of their behavior should never turn out to be the blueprint of their life. What God has spoken over them is what we want to see outworked in their life. And Jesus wants us to see other people in God's image. So let's believe the best for that person. Even if they've hurt us more than one time, let's believe that God is going to be working in their life and believe that God is going to be moving in them, bringing them to a better place. The only way that I was able to forgive my dad and get to a better place of relationship with him was when I was able to go, you know what, rather than being annoyed at everything in the past, um, is actually to go, I have to genuinely sit here and pray to God and believe that the best days are ahead for my dad. And you need to be able to get to that point as well, and, and I guarantee when you can pray that prayer, the Bible says, "Your enemies, why don't you bless them?" and when you can and the reason that that Jesus says that is because when you can pray a prayer of blessing, when you can wish for the best for someone, then the next time you see them you 'll actually be a little bit expectant that God's done something in their, in their life, and you won't be going there 's that." name one, name two, name three, whatever you called them, but you'll actually be hoping that God has done something in in their life. So can you separate the offense from the value of the person? Number four, are you fulfilling the need to be known with the right people? Making sure that you're not just telling randoms here, there, everywhere, but understanding that if if someone is to make a rela- their relationship right with you, they actually need to understand how much they've hurt you. And I'm not saying go in with your 30-point list, but you, know, you need to be known not just by your friends, but by whoever it is that has hurt you. And the last one is, uh, and I forgot to put this on slides, I'm really sorry, is do I have a tender heart or do I just have an indulgent ear? I want to pray for us tonight because this definitely isn't a complete overview of dealing with relational conflict. There's so much more that I could say. I only got into the first verse. I got All that I got to talk about was about our mindsets. I didn't even get to the part where we go to our brother and what we say to our brother and all of that sort of stuff and there's so much more and so I'd encourage you to study God's word. But I really believe if we can get these things right off the bat, if we can make sure that we value the person and if we make sure that, um, what was my second point? that we go to them then we're going to have so much more success in our relational restoration so, uh, so can we stand and I want us to think about right now in a room this size there is so many people who are facing relational issues right now some that had a shouting match with someone else in your world just this morning some that have had huge relationship breaks, breakdowns this week we all face con- uh, relational conflict day to day. So could you just close your eyes? Bow your head if that helps. And, um, and maybe right now we just need to bring to mind some of those relational conflicts and ask ourselves some of those questions. But I want to pray for anyone who is dealing with a re- relational conflict right now. And, uh, and, I, wanna, and I do want to pray for you. I know that I've got some practical advice here, but I want to pray for you because I really believe that Uh, At the end of the day, God is the restorer of all things. As Pastor Chris has been preaching in the Come Together series, God is going to be bringing all things back together, including our relationships. And so if you are facing relational turmoil right now, I want to pray for you and believe that that relational turmoil uh, will not be a thing for you for the future, that it will be softened, that you'll be able to push through this, that you'll be able to make amends, that you'll be able to see that person restored in your life. And if that's you, would you be so brave as to raise your hand and you're not naming the person, you're just putting your hand up and I'm going to pray for you. Awesome. Awesome. Like 15 people already. Yep. Like 20 now, 25. Awesome. Anyone else want prayer for relational conflict? Cool. Cool. Yep. Great. Awesome. 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 Yep. I knew this would be something for so many of us. So Lord, help us. Because confrontation is so hard. Especially when that person's hurt us again and again. God, give us your eyes. It's so easy to see that person for what they've done wrong. And even when we try to see them in the right light, it's so hard. And so we need your help, God, to be able to see them as a brother again. To see them how you see them. We need your help for that. And God, help us as we... As we go to our brother, as we go to whoever it is, help us, Lord, to put into words the words that we need to say to be able to be known and to be able to find healing. Help us to go in as the little little dog, God. Help us to not go in trying to beat something or, or prove that person wrong, but help us to word things and have an attitude and manner in such a way that we find relational healing. And God, we know that you're the one who brings it all together. And so we just pray that you'd be working on the other person's heart as well, whoever it is that we are uh, have a hurt or an issue with. God, I just pray that you'd soften their heart to be able to hear us out, hear our words out, Lord, and, and to be able to um, to bring that relational conflict out of that setting, God. Heal our hearts and heal our mindsets, Lord, so that we can then go and, and and help others. In Jesus' name. Amen. And uh just keep your eyes closed right now because I wanna pray for another group of people. And in a in a room this size, you know, so many people here are at church now because God has changed their life. As I said before, the only way that I was able to deal with my unforgiveness was when I got prayer and I chose to invite God into my story and start doing my life with God. And not just making a one-off decision, but actively involving God in my journey. And so many people here, that's their story too. And, and and I think now presents an opportunity where you can do the same thing. Because the truth is that what Jesus did for us, what the Bible describes that Jesus did for us, it removes anything that would stop us from having a relationship with God. It, it removes any hindrance. Because... God no longer looks at us and sees what we've done in our past, but He, he sees us as someone that He wants to have a relationship that he, with, that He wants to do life with. And so there's nothing stopping you right now if you want to choose to bring God into your story and, and, and have Him be an active part in your everyday. And if that's you, just raise your hand right now. I'm going to pray for you as well. Maybe this is the first time you make the decision. Maybe you've made it before and you just know you want to do it again and make today a mark where you're going to say, I'm going to bring God into my story every day. Is there anyone here? Everyone just keep your eyes closed right now, just so that there's a bit of privacy. Anyone want to do that? Just put your hand up and I'll pray for you and then we'll finish. Just with every eye closed. Great. Thank you. Yep, you can put your hand down. Anyone else? You just, you just want to bring God on your journey tonight. Anyone here? Cool. Cool. Well, God, I just pray uh, for anyone who just made that decision, whether they put their hand up or not. God, the decision to bring you into their journey, I pray that you'll be with them, that you would be helping them in everything that they do this week, that you you would show yourself as real to them, that you'd be guiding them, and that as they reach out to you for help, that uh, you would be as close as a whisper, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just pray that, if you just put your hand up then, we're going to pray this prayer together out loud and as a family. And if you just put your hand up, then I really want to encourage you to um, think about these words and what they're solidifying in your life as you pray them. So let's pray right now. Dear Jesus, Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Can we give a round of applause for people who just made that decision? Hannah is gonna my beautiful wife is gonna tell you what you need to do next if you made that decision. But I just wanna encourage you guys relational conflict, dealing with it, it's flippin' hard, but it's worth it. So let's go out and let's remember go to your brother.